Here we are now with episode 9 of Learning to Breathe. Today I'd like to talk about music. Oh, music. What can we say about music? The wordless beauty. (laughs) Is it really fair to say anything about music? But then again, there's also something quite extravagant and intimate about talking about music. There's something about it. If you really want to know what a person's soul is, then get them to talk about how they feel about music. If you really want to get close to someone, talk about music. And of course, in this series, we're talking about breathing techniques and the breath and how it relates to meditation and waking up and coming into a deeper relationship with existence, a deeper oneness with reality. And what better way to do that than with music? What better breathing techniques are there than with music? Music is an expression of soul. Music comes from soul. The source of all music is soul. And when you make music, you are celebrating your soul, you're expressing your soul. Now the breath, your breathing, rests just on top of your soul. It's an extension of the soul. And your voice is an extension of your breath. And your musical instrument, whatever that be, saxophone, trumpet, oboe, French horn. That's an extension of your voice. Now, even if you don't play a wind instrument and you're not blowing directly into your instrument to make a sound, as you are with woodwind or brass or reeds or bags or didgeridoos, Your instrument is still an expression, an extension of your voice. So if you want to work on your instrument, work on your voice. And if you want to work on your voice, work on your breathing. And when we're working on our breathing, we're actually working on our soul. Have you figured that out yet? That all these breathing techniques... Bring us to more subtlety. They bring us to more detail. They bring us to something deeper that we can't exactly put into words. It's no surprise that musicians end up working on their voice and their singing at a certain point in their musical development. When they've been practicing their instrument 
for so long, there comes a milestone point where they realize they need to synchronize their their being. They need to dissolve this boundary between the instrument and the being, the person playing it. And whether they know that in those terms or not is, is not exactly always the case, but that's exactly what it is. That's what's happening with this intuition that a musician who learns an instrument also needs to work on their voice. They need to work on their singing. And what's happening there is they are going deeper than just the physical instrument into the energetic body. They're moving into the vibrations of their body. And if you're a singer, well, a singer knows this. Well, a singer should know this from day one. A singer should know that their voice is who they are. They should know that there's no difference between them and their instrument. And in fact, it's actually a round trip because singers compartmentalize and turn their voice into an instrument that is separate to them. And they have a back and forth between them and their voice. So singers aren't off the hook in building the relationship and dissolving the boundary between the object and the person or the being, the entity that is making the sound. The, sor- the, the journey back to the source, we can call this, the journey back to where things come from. If you can find where things come from and you can find how to bring them out, how to have an overflow and how to be one with all things, how to be one with your instrument, one with your sound. So if you're working with your instrument, you're trying to learn the, the physical hand movements, and then you're finding that that's not enough and you want to go internal, you want to have, well, what's my inner ear? The, the, inst- the, the musician's intuition f- to learn to sing is sometimes also part of this thing of the inner ear, the sound. I want, to, I want to have a good ear. I want to have good pitch. I want to know my intervals. I want to know my tuning. I want to fine-tune my tuning, in a manner of speaking. And they do that by learning to sing. And when a musician learns to sing, well, then that opens up the world of phrasing. And there are musicians that are learning to sing along with the melodies in their pieces, even though they don't have a wind instrument. Say, for example, piano. There are pianists that sing along with the melody in order to get the phrasing, to have the happening of the phrasing, at least on one level. On another level, they're doing it to get closer to the instrument. On another level, they're doing it to be expressive, But synchronizing their instrument with their voice is a way of dissolving this boundary. And of course, you have to breathe to have phrasing. You have to have a breath. That's where phrasing comes from. If I just talk continuously and don't take a breath, then I'd end up gasping at the end. And yet, if you are a musician that plays an instrument that doesn't involve air coming into it to make it sound, 
you can just play continuously. Now, what is soul? What is this source that I keep talking about? Well, really, soul is for you to find by following this path, from the instrument to the voice to the breath. And you follow that direction and you can get it for yourself. It's really a personal experience, so it's quite hard to put into words. I mean, some people have tried to put it into words. There's a certain singer in the Red Hot Chili Peppers, <laughs> Anthony Kiedis, and he has a very funny song, which is, which is called, What is Soul? <laughs> and he's singing, What is soul? I don't know. And then he says, Soul is ro roaming the streets at four in the morning and finding your best friend making out with a transsexual in an all-night diner in Cleveland in 1986. <laughs> so maybe that's what soul is. That's the answer. If you have to put it into words, Anthony Kiedis knew. I mean, he's a, he's a hell of a character. He's a hell of a life. I don't know if I would say he's got a lot of soul as such. He's got a lot of edge. I would say he's more of an edgy person than a soulful person. But whatever you want to say about him, he's, a, he's an incredible, an incredible human being. Very colorful life. Not all good. I wouldn't say it's all good. I mean, he's got that book, Scar Tissue, which is his autobiography and just such a raging life like the rock star lifestyle and the things he gets into it's yeah i don't want to say too much about it but that that was a good answer to the question what is soul <laughs> by anthony kiedis so each note in music has a vibration to it, and each vibration has a part in the body. And we've talked about this before, and we've talked about music as a meditation technique or as an energy body technique. Just like the trumpet, when you blow it naturally with its open valves, has a note, I believe it's a B-flat, so too does your body has a natural note. And you can get in touch with that. You can use that to awaken your vibrations. You can use it to awaken your muscles. And there's a lot of muscle therapy around vibrations. There's a, uh, these packs that you can get that, that you plug them onto you and they, they give you a, a slight electric, well, I, don't know, I don't know if it's an electric shock, but it's like a, a buzzing to sort of slightly massage the energy or the physical muscles. So that's a big leap for most musicians to make the connection between putting a therapeutic electric massager on your muscles to vibrate and relax them to realizing that when you make a sound with your instrument, that sound is massaging your muscles. That's a big leap because you have to be sensitive to every note and also sensitive to the parts of the body. So how many parts of the body are there? How many notes are there? Well, that's your work. That's 
how much you have to go through. Now, of course, with all awareness techniques, if you put it like that, it's, it's a daunting project. There's so much to do. And the way around it is to narrow your focus. So what you do is you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on just one note. And this is where the idea of long tones crosses over with sensitizing yourself to music. So you take a big breath and you blow out your instrument. You do the longest breath you can on one note. And then you do that again. You're taking these long notes. So much of so much of like saxophone and brass instruments there, or, or all wind instruments, so much of it is worked on just the breath, the longness of the breath. And I don't know if it's always the case that musicians get it, that it's to be sensitized to sound. Because really, if you can learn the vibration of one note deeply and you can form a, a, a powerful relationship just with one note, then that's going to open up all the other notes for you. When you do go to change into different notes, then that's going to make it all the more richer for you. So long tones is a common breathing technique in music. And usually when a teacher teaches a musician this, it's for, well, you've got to have good breath control. It's the attitude of, you know, you've got to get good at your instrument. You've got to improve. You've got to build technique. This sort of, tech, this sort of attitude, this sort of uh, idea is put into the student. Whereas really sensitizing yourself to music through deeper breaths with your instrument and more space within each note, that, that's an awakening technique. It's a, it can be a relaxing technique if it's vibrating your body. It can be, it's just something deeper. It's so much deeper than you have to get better at your instrument. Like it always, it always comes back to why you'd playing music in the first place. And this is the same with why are we doing these breathing techniques in the first place? Of course, it's to wake up the soul. It's to become more in touch with our soul and to live deeper. Now, there's another, a number of things you can do to analyze music with the breath, which is to go through the phrases. And if you're doing this and you're analyzing your music properly, then you're actually doing this anyway. But notice where the phrases happen and where the breaths happen, where you take a breath. And musicians even need to learn different lengths of breaths and speeds of breath. And there's this thing which is a, race, a ratio between a trance, what I'm calling here trance, or a change in music. So in trance music, or th th there's a genre of music called trance, but there's also trance, the broad term, which occurs in all styles of music which is repetition. When you have a certain number of repetitions of something and you're going over and over at the same pace and it's exactly the same, repeating, repeating, over and over again, you get put into a trance. You get lulled into something. And it's not repetitive as in, oh, this is boring, but it's repetitive as, 
oh, something is building. So repetition in music is is such a fundamental part of the composition c- construction of of music. It's part of the structure of music. So trance and change, and then and then of course the thing that happens with the ch- the trance is once you're into this pattern, then it'll change. And when it changes, that's the drama. That's where something clicks. That's where something opens. So if you're playing a passage, then you synchronize your breathing pattern with the repetitions. And I'm talking about small-celled repetitions and multiple repetitions, not repetitions of a section. If it's eight bars or longer, that's not so much a trance. That's not going to be putting you into a repetition kind of state. But maybe on a very subtle level, that is what's happening there. Maybe that's what all repetition is, is this lulling you into something. So, I mean, it's quite hard to distinguish these compositional structural differences because they're so broad. But what's happening is when you're playing is you have a breathing pattern. You have a physical body pattern. Your fingers or your arms or whatever you're using to make your instrument, make it sound, is doing the same thing over and over again. And then you're breathing in the same place over and over again. So it's a breathing exercise without even knowing it. You're doing a controlled breathing exercise. And there's always this ratio or this spectrum of difference between trance and multiple repetitions on one end and then change on the other. Now, there is music where there's no repetition at all, seemingly. It might appear that it's chopping and changing all over the place. And that can be a very excited music. That can be a very... The, the, the sort of breathing patterns that go with that are very intense. They're very different. They're very... They, they cause this excitement. And of course, breathing patterns and breathing techniques that have changes in their patterns cause that sort of excitement. There's also this thing which is the, the breath a singer takes as being part of the music and part of the expression. Now, if you listen carefully to recordings across a whole range of genres, this occurs, and you listen for where the singer is singing and whether the, the, there's the sound, like the, the gasp. And it's not a gasp as in it's very loud, but the sound they make when they breathe in, the singer breathes in. Now, in some genres, this has been omitted. It's been edited out. And, of course, some singers do actually work on minimizing this and taking it out. But then in other genres, it's actually part of it. It's actually a real spice to the music, and it adds something. And it really adds, well, it's an expression of the soul. It's an expression of the, the emotion. It says something more about the being, the, the, the entity behind the voice and even the the entity behind the breath that is in that voice. Now, it might be that when a musician goes to see a music concert, 
they get a little bit tied up in the technique. Now, this is the one of the tricks or the downfalls of musicians, which is that the musician doesn't know how to be a non-musician. And it's a it's an eternal conundrum. I mean, there's no way around it. But imagine this, that the saxophone player turns up to the show, that the student saxophone player, so he's watching the professional saxophone player, and he's thinking, wow, your breath control is amazing. Or even, wow, your tone is amazing. So the sound of your instrument is amazing. Your sound is amazing. Wow. That's something that musicians always say. Wow, you sound amazing. Not you play amazing music or your technique is great. It somehow seems deeper to say, oh, you sound amazing. How does he sound so good? How does he have such good breath control? How does he play so many notes? How does he have such deep breath and big breaths? Now, that's the musician who's caught up in the technique. That's the musician who's the student musician. He doesn't understand that it's an expression of soul. It's an expression of who he is. The, the master musician has dissolved these boundaries. And he's not caught up in the, the technique or the details of the physicality. Now, it might be there even further from the soul. And they say, well... Wow, his fingers move really fast. Wow, his physical ability is is really amazing. And of course, it's 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 everything. It's a matter of how deep, how much depth do you see in what's happening with a musician on the stage? And can you see these distinctions between the physical instrument and the energetic voice and the the subtle breath? And below all that is the soul. And there's a way to, to compartmentalize these. There's a good way to compartmentalize these. I mean, one of them is listening only to the breath and listening to the space between the phrases. Another one is to... You could do this probably if you want to make the, an, ex, an exercise out of this. Find a band that you haven't listened to before and... Maybe get a friend to suggest their favorite band to you. And there's so much footage now on the internet. It's easy to do this. You go and you watch them. You watch this band without the sound on. So you watch a video, preferably of a live concert. And you watch how they perform. Watch their body movements. And if you can really have a friend who can work you out and get on board with this, then find it, where, find it so that you don't know what the genre is. Find it so that you really have no idea. The, the less you know about the band, the better. Don't know what periods it's from, don't know where they're from, don't know what genre they're from, don't know how famous they're from. Never heard anything like it. Never heard of them at all. And you watch... The performance without the sound. It's a silent movie. You're watching a music performance. And really, if you're a musician, you can learn so much about stage presence from this. And really, if you're a musician, you should have stage presence as one of your 
practice. It's part of your practice regime. Like it's a part of your philosophy to music. And of course, what's the secret to stage presence? It's the breath. It's breathing. What do you think all these megastars, these superstars are doing before they walk on stage? They're doing breathing exercises. How do they stay so relaxed? They breathe. How do they stay so energized? They breathe. Now, these two things of being relaxed and energized, the, the quickest way to get into those, to, to master those, is through the breath. So take a look at a band. If you can watch an entire concert, just looking at it without the sound, silent movie, and just see what you pick up on. And that will be training you to be aware of the visual and the physical of what's happening with music making. Now, of course, the same can occur where you only listen to the band and you don't watch them live. And, and I can remember a number of times in my musical development where I heard bands or musicians and I'd never known what they looked like and I'd never known what a performance was like for them and I'd listened to them so for so long and then when I actually saw it I was like whoa something something whole nother dimension opened up this whole big thing it was just like eye popping your eyes pop out of your head that sort of moment of when you see like so for the musician, the visual is the cue for the exact physical. If you can see it, it's physical. And that's the realm of the instrument. That's the realm of the gross, obvious, empirical stuff. Now, the energetic is the voice. And if you want to get in touch with the, the voice and the energetic stuff, you listen to music with your eyes closed and you don't you don't listen to the music, but you listen to your body. So you're not focusing on the what like the technicality or the orchestration or the emotion that's coming from the musician or what they're trying to express or the lyrical content. None of that. You 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 in a sense have no interest in the music per se, but it's it's your reaction to the music. What is happening to your body? And to do that, you need the body scan meditation. You need to have a body scan practice, or at least some experience in body awareness. So the physical and the energetic and, and the breath, and well, if you can watch your breath, then that's a good start into being aware of your body. And a good way to do this sort of compartmentalizing of music is to watch the breath while you're listening to music and see what happens. Can you notice when the music changes, how your breathing changes? And that's really what a good composition is. It's not manipulating your mind and it's not trying to trick you with a clever... It's not like a good, a good composition... It's never the case where the audience sits there and says, wow, that was a great tritone substitution or that was a wonderful exposition or that was a really clever motivic development. They never, they never think it. 
Good music you don't think, you experience. Good music takes your breath away, as the saying goes. So a composition that can manipulate the breath, and also along with that the heartbeat, which is the rhythm, that's really going to be a moving composition. It's really going to do something for someone. It's going to have soul. If it can get inside your breathing, you can get inside the soul. So breathing techniques as musical development, I mean, we, we can take this as if you're learning a musical instrument and if you're just listening to music, you can do all, all sorts of things. But there's, there's this indication of how air flows, which indicates how you are flowing. So, for example, if a musician plays a phrase and there's air left over, then that will tell them something about the pacing. That will tell you something about the pacing of your air. And if there's just the right amount of air, then it's a smooth flow. And if there's a lot of air, then there's not much flow. So an indication of this is sometimes a saxophone player is playing a phrase and he gets to the end of the phrase and then he makes a noise like, ah, he or she, ah, they say something. Now that can be an emotional expression of something's happening emotionally, but most of the time I would say that it's something that is breaking up the, the pattern. Now it might've been that they're in flow and that was the moment that the pattern broke and that's why there's an emotional pop there. So how much, how much air is left over at the end of the phrase is at least one indication of how things are flowing and how much air comes out and whether that's from a... Do you remember in the, the, the floating episode where we talked about underwater breathing? In that episode, the we talked about a full lung but shallow breathing. Now, the same thing applies with a musician. Sometimes they play holding their breath. Sometimes they play with shallow breaths, but it's a full lung. And that can cause a lot of tension in the body. That can make it very difficult to flow. So really, if you want to perform, then you just have to relax. And then if you want to relax, you just have to be breathing smoothly. So... These are just some of the little things of the ins and outs that can build up a sense of, of flow and things to work on and indications of where you're at with your flow. Now, there is also this thing in music of circular breathing. So some instruments like the didgeridoo, they require certain circular breathing. And that's similar to stopping the breath, the sensation of stopping the breath. And I don't know how to do circular breathing myself. It's quite a tricky thing. It takes some time. But I think, I mean, you can look up anywhere how to, how to do it. And it takes quite a lot of practice. But I think in a nutshell, you there's this thing with 
a tube going into a bucket of water and you fill your cheeks with air and then you you push your cheeks in so the air is going out while you're breathing in so you're in your nose so you're breathing in your nose while you're pushing your cheeks so that there's air going out into the bucket and the the, the reason you use the bucket is because the bubbles indicate that it's working that's the feedback mechanism and of course after a while you don't need to push the cheeks with your hands you can just push them in yourself and then you have this sort of pattern but the the line the blur the difference is changing it's it's getting closer and then overlapping and if you really work at it and you're doing it for quite a while then you get this circular breathing where there's air going in you're sucking in your nose and you're pushing out your mouth and the didgeridoo players learn to do this there's also a lot of trumpet players that do this they learn all all sorts of wind players they learn to do this so that so, so you remember how we were talking about phrasing and how you have to take a breath to end the phrase. Well, they learn this circular breathing so they can do a continuous phrase and actually do it. And it's a dramatic effect. It's used as an effect for drama in the music. Even it's, it's used as like a trance. It can be used as a trance technique of repetition, repetition, same thing over and over. And then, wow, wow, wow. It's, is it ever going to end? Is it ever going to end? That sort of thing. So... Some musicians call it a bit of a party trick and they say, oh, they're just showing off and it's just a a gimmick. But, I mean, music is full of techniques. It's just lots of little things that you put together and if you use it musically, then what's the point? Like, what's the problem? I don't see the problem. I'd like to know what experientially it's like to have circular breathing i mean it might be that these musicians are thinking wow i'm so good at my instrument because i can do this but i think the real deep musicians who have a sense of connection with breathing and their soul and their technique and they're blurring this boundary between them and the instrument when they do circular breathing then wow they get something very deep out of it And really, circular breathing comes back to flow and smoothness. So a relaxation of the breath when you go out on stage has the same correlation as being relaxed between phrases. And blurring the line between you and your instrument has the same correlation of blurring the line between the in-breath and the out-breath. So if you can dissolve one boundary, then you're making a start on dissolving all boundaries. And learning didgeridoo, the physical instrument, and learning the breathing technique for it is a way of opening up the soul. And the didgeridoo is really a a good example of an instrument that's an extension of the voice. Like it really sounds like a voice. And it even uses the voice box in a lot of its methods. So it's not exactly a 
yeah, I mean the didgeridoo. It's a very, it's a very primal instrument. It's a very. There's something very ancient about it, and it comes, of course, it comes from the Aboriginal cultures, the Aboriginals of Australia. So it's an indigenous music-making device. It's sort of, sort of sacred. It's sort of spiritual. Like I can imagine playing the didgeridoo puts you in touch with something that is, yeah, very deep. Like to to learn that the piano is an extension of your soul it's that's not the same as learning that the didgeridoo is an extension of your soul for me it it appears like as i'm looking at it now it it appears that the the, the gap is much easier for the didgeridoo player than the piano player and actually now that i think about it there's this there's this Keith Jarrett album where he doesn't play piano. It's called Spirits. And he's collected all these sort of indigenous instruments from around, around the world. Not, not didgeridoos, but all sorts of drums and things like that. So getting in touch with spirit or soul, as we're calling it here, to, to express his soul, he found that he needed a different instrument. He found that there was something that would get him in touch get him in touch with that much easier than the piano. And it's a very soulful album, that album, Spirits by Keith Jarrett. And it was done at a time of of great well, he was he was having his chronic fatigue syndrome, I believe. He couldn't actually play the piano. So this man has this soul. Keith Jarrett has this soul, this connection with his soul, and he realizes that he can't express it with the piano, but still he has this energy flowing through him and it needs to come out somehow. So he does it with these other instruments, these primal instruments. Now I'm thinking maybe, was it was it when he had his fatigue... I don't, I don't know exactly when he made this album. I don't know what was happening in his life. I might be a bit rusty on my Keith Jarrett trivia, but, but look it up. Just look up the album. And that's an, it, it, the, the, point, the point of this is that there's some instruments which are, I mean, all instruments are an extension of the soul, but some are more direct than others. Because if your breath is an extension of the soul and your voice is an extension of your breath and your instrument is an extension of your voice, well, some instruments involve the voice more than others. And some voices involve the breath more than others. So there's a range of complexities and differences there. And all roads lead back to soul in the end that's the that's the point so that's enough yeah i think that's a lot to do with music and breathing and so the takeaway homework is listen to a band without the sound listen to the space between the phrases in music listen to the silences in music 
If you listen to a really good jazz band, they have this thing where, and this is a common thing, which is where they actually put a silence right in the middle of the piece. And it's only one. And if you're really attentive, if you're really listening, then you hear it and it puts everything on edge. And music and silence is, well, probably a conversation for another day. That's a big conversation. The relationship between music and silence. Today we're just talking about the breath. So, yeah, I hope that's not too much homework. That should be pretty easy. And do you agree? Is there something you can say about music and soul? What is soul? I don't know, as Anthony Kiedis would say. If you want to hear him sing that that quote, it's very funny. It's from, I believe it's from Red Hot Chili Peppers, Live Off The Map. I won't play it because of copyright, but it's just the song, What Is Soul? Well, actually, maybe you can listen to it and <laughs> listen to it without the sound <laughs> if you've never heard this band, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, one of my favorite bands. Okay, that's enough for now. I sincerely hope you've enjoyed these words, and that's all I'd have to say for now.